Well, good evening, Shades Mountain. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here. You guys know how to throw a party on Wednesday night. I know that for sure. Hey, this is incredible. And what a turnout for a Wednesday night and uh, a missions emphasis. Your church is known for missions literally all over the country. And I just want to say thank you for how you love on our missionaries. And uh, it, it's incredible. It's an incredible blessing to watch you do that. And also, thank you for how you share your pastor. Uh, Daniel's very gracious about what he said about the North American Mission Board, but he is one of our trustees, not only one of our trustees, he's one of our trustee officers, and I'm so grateful for him, and again, your love for missions. He does live sent, and I'm thankful he's leading you to do the exact same thing. Tonight, we're going to focus on live sent. God placed you here to do more then draw breath and draw salary. Much more. We come to celebrate those who are going to the utmost parts of the earth. We also know that God sends each one of us every day to be in his world to make a difference for him. So often the reason people don't do that is they don't really see the need. And uh, I, I want to uh, tell a story before I tell the story. I love telling the story. I actually told it five years ago when I was here. I want to tell it again just in case you forgot it. Uh, but I want to show a picture of my family just real fast to kind of give you the context of the story. I'll not bore you with a long story about each, but we have six kids and two son-in-laws. We'll leave the two son-in-laws out. But the oldest daughter I was on the far right, they were missionaries in China on the far left. It's my second daughter, and uh, they live actually in Atlanta. My oldest son is in California in college. And then God blessed us with a whole second phase of children, if you will. The very first child we adopted was Libby on the front left. She's from China. Uh, we adopted her when she's one. She's now 15. And then Micah Lynn on the far right is from Ethiopia. We adopted her when she's three, and she is now 12. She typically has her hand on her hip because that's where she likes it. Uh, she's uh, kind of bossy. And if you ever watched Sanford and Son, you ever watch that show? We adopted Aunt Esther, all right? I mean, she just... She will just tell you what for. And then the JM is right above my wife, as uh, head there. Uh, and that's my wife. I should start with her. That's Lynette, my wife. We've been married for over 31 years and one of the most patient ladies on the earth. And then JM is right above her. John Michael is his name, but he goes by JM because he thinks the girls like it. Uh, we adopted JM when he was 10. And, uh, and he is now 17. And uh, the blessing about JM, we have, as you say, six kids from four different countries. It's pretty funny. When, when we walk into a restaurant, it's just funny to watch people's faces because they're like, how did that happen? Or, or in the South, they'll go, well, bless your heart. I know what that means translated, you know, better you than me. That's what that means. But I say, no, don't, there's no need to bless my heart. I'm just very competitive. And uh, no, it's no, it's no. What I mean is, we have six kids from four different countries. When we watch the Olympics, we win. All right, we do. But JM, when we went to get JM in Manila, um, I, I, I think about this all the time because of how spoiled we are as a culture. And JM, when I picked him up, they said, and be very careful with him because he's not used to some of the same luxuries that you have back in the States. And when I was luxuries, what do you mean? You got me mixed up. And they said, no, 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 um, hot water. He's not used to hot water. And so they found JM wandering the streets when he was around five. And uh, he was in the orphanage from five until the time we got him. And he basically took sink baths. So he'd never experienced really hot water. And they said, he'll damage himself. He'll hurt himself if you don't explain it. 
So we go back. You can only imagine being in an orphanage that long. And then your first night in a hotel, I mean, it is celebration time. You know, he's bouncing on the beds, and I'm letting him get away with all sorts of things. And then it comes time for bath time, our very first night together. And so I, I said, hey, Jay, come on, I want to show you something. So we went in the bathroom. I turned the water on lukewarm, and I said, hey, Jay, let me have your hand. And I put his hand underneath the lukewarm water, and I just gradually, gradually turned the water warmer and warmer and warmer until he began to feel hot water for the very first time. I will never, ever forget the look in those big brown Filipino eyes as he felt hot water for the very first time. And he said, that is wonderful. And I said, it is wonderful. You're going to love it. I said, now, you hop in the shower, and I'll be in the other room. He says, "Uh, shower, what's a shower? And I forgot, they had taught him English, but some things did not translate because, well, they didn't have a shower. So I had to explain a shower to him. Have you ever explained a shower to someone? It's not the easiest thing in the world to do. And so I I said, it's like water from heaven. You know, trust me, you're you're going to like it. There's those things you forget. It's like the first time we went out to eat. First time we went out to eat, I thought I'd order for him to make things easier. And so I said, uh, just bring him some chicken fingers. <laughs> He's like, no! I not eat chicken fingers. I said, no, 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 son, they're not chicken fingers. That's just what they call them. He said, well, why did they call them that? I said, I really don't know. Just eat them, all right? You know, you can only imagine the first time we had buffalo wings. I mean, it's just a... Constantly something to explain. It's just incredible. But I'll never forget, he went in, took a shower, and 45 minutes later, he comes out smelling good and all shriveled up in his matchy pajamas, all right? He was so, so excited. And you know, he's 18, it's been several, I mean, he's 18 now, and it's been several years since then, but still today, when I say, hey man, make sure you take a shower, boom, he is up there and singing and loving it. Why? Because he remembers what it's like not to have it. And I thought that night when I went to bed, I thought, man, I've never seen a kid so excited. It was just like Christmas morning over hot water. I mean, it's amazing. We just are completely spoiled. We get so used to certain things, we take them for granted. Like hot water. Hey, sir, in uh, number 10 jersey, uh, what's your first name? You're the only one in the Manning jersey, trust me. (laughs) You're all alone, buddy. (laughs) Uh, You enjoyed the playoffs, did you? Hey, uh, hey, hey, (laughs) what's your first name? Tommy, I picked you, Tommy, because you look like the cleanest guy in this entire section, all right? Hey, Tommy, let me ask you seriously, Tommy. Uh, uh, you've taken a shower in the last two or three days, right? Just, just straight up, Tommy. All right, all right. <laughs> a lot of comedians out of business. So you don't want to be one. All right, just, just all right. <laughs> you've taken a shower in the last two or three days. Be honest with me, all right? Just a straight up honest question. I'm not looking for any. When you took that shower, Tommy, did you go like, yes, hot water? Did you do that? You didn't do that. You see, folks... Tommy is what's wrong with America. All right. I mean, he's pathetic. Now, I'm just kidding sort of, Tommy, really. Uh, The problem is, I mean, Tommy didn't, and quite honestly, Tommy, I mean, you know, the rest of us didn't do that either because we get so used to it. You're not even thinking about what you're going to eat later because you know it's available and you can get it. 
When we think of missions sometimes, we don't live sent because we don't see the need. We, we just don't see it. We have it, and we just assume it's like it is here everywhere, but it's not. When it comes to churches at the North American Mission Board, we're trying to plant churches. You saw many of our church planters came up from the different cities, and one, several from New York. The reason they're doing it, because there's a desperate need for churches in, in New York. Let me tell you what I mean. Did you know in the United States, the most church state in, in the United States is Mississippi? All right, there's one just Southern Baptist church for every 1,392 people. Missiologists say you need one church for every 2,000 people. So you count the evangelical churches in there. I mean, the numbers, it's just incredible, the ratio. You really wish every state was like that. Alabama's not really far behind in being, having a number of churches. They have one for every 1,466 people. But then that compared to, say, let's go back to New York in honor of Tommy. One out of every, for every 58,000 people. Then you go to New Jersey and there's one for every 64,000. Then you go to Canada and there's one for every 103,000. There are places in Canada where you can drive for three hours and not drive by another evangelical church. So that's the reason we are here, to understand the importance of to, to live sent. There's two components of that. Man, what a fantastic celebration you had. If you are sending these up here, you're celebrating them and loving them this week, starting tonight all the way through Sunday. You're going to just continue to, to bless them and love them. Because you're sending them out. That's what a New Testament church does. A healthy New Testament, New Testament church does that. I want to remind you of a passage in Acts chapter 13. We were first called Christians at the church of Antioch. And the Antioch church got together and they prayed over, uh, let's just look at the verse and just read, uh, starting in verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and, help me with the last three words, and they sent them off. You want to know the sign of a healthy church? It's a church that sends them off. It understands that it's not about what we do in here as much as what we do out there. It's important what we do in here, but if it just stays in here, then what is the point? God did not call us to be believers, to just sit and soak and marinate on things for our own benefit. It's for His glory, obviously, but it's the result in going out. That church was healthy because, you know what? They sent Barnabas and Saul. They sent their very best. It wasn't like Antioch looked around and said, Hey, look, we got any cantankerous deacons around here we could send? Who's someone here? Where are four or five people we could send that we wish would go to another church? I mean, where are they? No, we're going to send our very best. And you know what they were saying to them when they laid hands on them? They were saying to them, look, you're going to do the going. You're going to go, but as you go, we go with you. You know what they were saying? Barnabas, Saul, we got your back. We've got your back. We're going to send you off and not just hope for the best. But we've got your back. We're going to be there for you. As you go, we go. We're in this together. And be thankful you're a part of a church that sends them off. 
But you know what? Actually, if you're a member of this church, you're in a very dangerous position. Now, I mean that. Very dangerous. Because you're part of a church that's very missions-minded. Who's led, and it's also led by a very missions-minded pastor. And you can be a part of a church that's missions-minded, led by a missions-minded pastor, and not be very missions-minded. You can almost be like, you're on the team. You think you're on the team. I'm a big Kentucky fan. I'm a terrible, when I go to a game, you know, I get to rooting. My wife has to remind me, you're not a coach and you're not on the team. You think what you, you think you're a part of it, but you're just watching. But you know, so often when it comes to missions, we can be so close to it and act almost where we almost convince ourselves that we're a part of it when we're really not. That's the beautiful of special emphasis times like this in a, in a part of a church where you can celebrate those who are being sent. But at the same time, you can look at how you can live sent. That's why I want you to look in uh, Acts chapter 18 at a passage. Paul's in Corinth. 700,000 people, Corinth. Aquila and Priscilla there. Very small core team. Times were difficult and frustrating. And I mean, it was not like they had success after success. There were some mixed in, quite a few defeats. But Paul was at a point where he was very fearful. We know that because of the tense of the Greek word when, when the Lord comes to him and says it to, for him not to fear. He says, okay, although you're fearing, stop fearing. We're going to read it in a moment. But I want you to notice the Lord comes to him at just the right time. Isn't that always the case? God knows exactly where we are and comes to us exactly when we need him. Right when he was there, he was on his last rope, it seemed like. God comes to him and, and, and tells him this. Let's read uh, this particular passage. It says in verse 9 and 10, And the Lord said to Paul, One night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many people in this city who are my people. If we could just leave it up there for a moment. Listen, tonight, you have all week, we're going to celebrate these missionaries. Tonight, I want you to just think about yourself. There's an old evangelist, Gypsy Smith, that once was asked, how do you start a revival? And he said, it's real simple. He said, you go into a room all by yourself, and you get a piece of chalk, a piece of chalk, a piece of chalk, And then you draw a circle on the floor. And then you get down on your knees in that circle. And you pray that God would start a revival in that circle. His point was simply, it starts with you. So tonight, as we look at this passage, I want us to not think of a church planner in another city. I don't want to think of a a missionary in another country. I just want to think of you in the pew. Exactly where you're going. God's going to send you even tomorrow or the next day. How you could live sent. Notice... As the Lord comes to him in a, in, a, in, a, in a dream and tells him what? He's very discouraged. He's tired. He's wrung out. And notice what he says. 
do not be afraid. Like Paul, do not be afraid. As I said, the tense there actually means stop being afraid. Stop it. Stop. You're afraid. There's no need to be afraid. Stop being afraid. Don't go down that path. Don't keep milking it. Stop, 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 Paul. Stop being afraid. There's no need to be afraid. He tells us why in just a moment, but then notice what else he tells him to do. Not only do not be afraid, but he says, you keep on speaking and do not be silent. You know what he's saying there? You do not quit, Paul. You do not quit. I know you're tired. I know you get tired of losing and losing people, kicking you out of this city and throwing things. Listen, you do not fear and you do not quit. We're to live sent, but for how long? Look, there is no retirement date in living sent. You're to live sent. God placed you here to make a difference. He placed you in your sphere of influence to make a difference, to change things, to be a change agent. God can change people, but he uses you as an instrument on his behalf. The Lord told him, look, you do not be afraid. And if you go to read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, You'll see a lot of what's going on in Paul's heart. Mine, he was like, he was, he was, he said, I was walking with fear and trembling every day. He says, you do not be afraid and you do not quit. Now, why could he say that? Because he backs it up and tells him exactly why he does not need to be afraid and should not quit. Notice what God provides for us so that we can do those first two. For I am with you for I am with you Paul there's no need for you to be afraid there's no need for you to quit why because I am with you his presence he is always there and scripture tells us he's promised he'll never leave us nor forsake us as you go to work tomorrow as you go to school tomorrow wherever it may be he will always be he'll never leave us and forsake us so his presence I'll never forsake you then notice what else he says and no one will attack you to harm you. And no one will attack you to harm you. What he's simply saying there, I've got you, Paul. There's no need to be afraid and you do not quit because I'm going to protect you. I know where you are. I know where you're going. I know who you're going to run into on the way there. I have you. I'm going to protect you. I don't know about you, so often in my life I struggle wanting to take over the reins or take over the steering wheel of my life and try to guide certain things or want to try to pray to manipulate certain things and just forget that, I man, God wants our very best. He wants us to live sin. Then notice what else he says. For I have many in this city who are my people. I have many in this city who are my people. You know what he's saying to Paul? Paul, there are many people in this city that you do not know of. There's 700,000 people. There are many people in this city I'm going to reach and I'm going to use you to do it. You have no idea all that I'm going to do through you. All I'm asking you to do is to be obedient and faithful and live sent. You do not quit and you stop being afraid. You're afraid, stop it. And you do not quit. You live sent i know where you are and i will use you but you must be obedient and live sent not long ago i was in cuba 
And the reason I was in Cuba is, uh, um, you may not know this, but you own the majority of the Baptist churches in Cuba. Uh, the majority of the Baptist ones. I know that because the deeds to those churches are in the vault at the North American Mission Board. There was a lady by the name of Annie Armstrong years ago that acquired property after property in Cuba. And all those deeds, uh, and I go there simply to assure the pastors that anytime you want these deeds, you can have them. But they did not want them because Castro, when he was living, uh, was such a danger to them. They were afraid if they had the deeds that the, perhaps the government would take them away. But because we have them, they, they would not. There's also a seminary in Cuba that trains pastors. I've been there. It's just incredible how, how God uses these passionate young men to take the gospel all over Cuba. And their heart is to take it from all over the, the world from there, a place they, they weren't able to even leave. I talked to many of the pastors, but I asked this one particular pastor, I said, tell me exactly What's going on here? It's incredible because God has started a church planting movement in Cuba. I mean, incredible. Hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of these, of these uh, churches. I said, tell me, tell me how that happened. He said, only God could have done this. I said, well, tell me. And with tears in his eyes, he said, when Castro took over, uh, things were horrible. It was bad. And he said, um, he told us, no more churches, no more churches. And he persecuted many of the, the pastors and the believers and threw many of them in jail. But no more churches. You can't build any more churches. You can't even build onto any churches. But he did make one caveat and said, uh, but you can meet in your houses. The churches would be packed and then they would begin to meet in their homes. Well, this really frustrated him because he thought, well, if I don't let them build any churches, I'll spread them out. I'll dilute them and they'll, they'll lose all their power and, 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 and strength. And, and that the opposite exactly happened. It began to grow by leaps and bounds. And so he came out with this basic, this edict that said, all right, no more than 50. They said, what do you mean? No more than 50. No more than 50. Once you get to 50, you have to, to go to someone else's house. You can't put no more, no more than 50 people in one house. Once you get to there, you have to go to another I'm like, are you serious? Absolutely. So you can imagine what happened. They began to grow and grow and grow until he came out with another one and said, all right, no more than 25, no more. No more than 25. And they said, what do you mean? No more than 25. Once you get to 25, you have to go and start another one. And with tears in his eyes, he said, God has started a church planning movement in Cuba. And he used a communist leader to do it. I often tell people, if God ever allows me to pastor again, when I said this when Castro was alive, I said, I was going to try to get Castro to be my education minister. Because <laughs> it'd take a communist leader to get some Sunday school classes to multiply. You know what I mean? <laughs> my point is simply this. We're to live sin. If you're afraid, say, I don't know how. I say, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, and you don't ever quit. There is no reason for you to ever stop speaking about what I've done for you. And I'm going to be with you. No one's going to harm you. And trust me, I've got many people in the city 
that I'm going to reach and I'm going to do it through you. God has placed you here for a purpose. He does call some out to go leave all, go to another country and be a missionary in that sense. But God has called every church and every believer to live sin. These next few days, and I pray, I'm thankful for the hugs that you'll give the missionaries and gift cards you'll give the missionaries. And just how you've already just shown them that what they do matters, because it does. But please, over these next few days, remember the role that you have to play. First Church, Antioch sent them off. So when it comes time Sunday to make a pledge to give, it's one thing to clap and yell and cheer and support. another thing to pay for the needs that they have on the field. As you make a financial commitment, I just want to encourage you, that's a way that you're sending them off. God's blessed us in such an incredible way. May we be very generous as we even prayerfully consider what God is going to lead us to do as we send them off. But then let's remember the importance of living sin. And who is it that God's going to use you to reach? I want us to bow our heads. So bow our heads. I want you, if you will, in a sense, to think of what Gypsy Smith said. You take a piece of chalk, you draw a circle on the floor, you get down on your knees in that circle. Pray that God would start revival in that circle. I don't have any chalk. But they're going to sing and we're just going to open up a time for you just to pray. And nobody's going to come bother you unless you want someone to pray with you. But just come if you'd like. Say, God, I don't know what it is you want to do with me this week. But God, I'm open to whatever it is you want to do with me. Teach me how to live sin. Father, thank you for how you love us. You care for us. You know every single detail about us and desire to use us anyway. Father, I pray there are people here that I'm sure feel a bit insecure about being used by you in some way or trying to decide if, you know, is that my gift or that this my gift? Lord, help them tonight to understand the importance of living sin. That their yes is on the table, that they're willing to do whatever it is to share to use the platform God's given them in business, the platform He's given them in a school, just to make the most of the opportunities and just to 
Open our eyes that we might even see and be aware of the opportunities you bring our way. Father, you've resourced us. But may we be good stewards of what you've given us with our time and those resources that we might live sin. We ask all this in Jesus' name to sing through a song as they do that I'm going to invite you if you would you're totally as you feel led just to come and, and to pray and say God show me what it is you want to do with me in living sin let's do that let's just stand together if we would as we sing you step out if you feel led at all you step out and just come and pray and say God start that revival